Hello, and welcome to Recent Activity, your new favorite entertainment review podcast that attempts to cover every film, every show, all at once. I am your co-host, Andrew Morgan. With me, as always, is a man who thinks he is so great because he has boats, Mr. Shane Beauregard. How are you, sir? (laughs) I am doing well. I'm still on that gravy boat from Thanksgiving, if that's what you're referring to. No, come on. Oh, that's a, I know, that is I know. my favorite line from a movie that we're going to talk <laughs> yes. about today. Okay, I'm glad, because no, I, that I was my it. favorite thing in the world, <laughs> and I think I need a t-shirt of that immediately. So, good to see you, buddy. Uh, I'm you glad too, that your uh, holiday went well. Finally did, uh, after I think over a decade that I did vegetarian Thanksgiving. I had my first turkey on Thanksgiving in in that long. So, yeah, stuff, it all went buddy. well. Yeah, dude. My dad <laughs> makes a killer sausage stuffing. It's oh, all good. It's all good. Fill up on those carbs and fall asleep. I think I, I, I had the intention, before we get into all what we're going to talk about, I had the intention. I think I even messaged you. I was like, yeah, man, after Thanksgiving, I'm going to go see Thanksgiving because I'm going to keep the tradition I opened the app, saw it was like nearly sold out, and I was like, eh, I'll just see it maybe on the next showing, and in between that, I fell asleep, and I think I fell asleep for like 12 hours. There you go. I was that exhausted. That exhausted. <laughs> I don't know if it was the turkey or whether it was just general exhaustion. I was just like, I'm out. And then I saw Thanksgiving the next day, because that is one of the movies that we are going to cover on this show today. We are going to do... The Thanksgiving week winners and losers. We combined, we watched a lot of movies, a lot of streaming TV, put the time off uh, to good use, at least, uh, well, when we talk about the losers, maybe not so much, but (laughs) definitely a lot more winners than losers. So this show will be, you know, a lot of uh, instructional stuff for like, you can watch this very soon or right now or what have you. And we will get right to it, Shane. I mean... I said to you back weeks ago, I was like, we were bored for months, and here comes the onslaught. And boy, am I in full onslaught. I watched so many movies and streaming stuff, and I sent it to you, and you're like, Jesus, dude, did you miss anything? And I was like, oh, wait, I didn't. And then I sent you more. And still, Shane, somehow, I still feel behind the eight ball. I and are how, you feeling buddy. the same way? I, I compared mean, to well, what you, compared to what you just pulled off, yes, I do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure. And but here's the thing: is like it should be great for the box office, and it's a weird state because we're gonna find out when a lot of these blockbusters kind of go away. Like the MCU's not there, and you know, Thanksgiving did a little noise because it's on Thanksgiving. And I looked at the next few weeks; it's gonna be. A little dead again, a little bit of a catch-up thing, maybe a little streaming more than that. So we'll talk about that uh, probably at the end, but a lot going on as far as Thanksgiving was concerned, and we'll probably not get another huge uptick until basically Christmas, uh, the way it's set out. But let's start with our first win uh, of the season here, Shane. Napoleon, surprisingly, I, I only say surprisingly as far as the box office is concerned, it did $78 million globally for a movie that's, you know, two hours and 40 minutes, like a war epic. Yes, a known name. Yes, Joaquin Phoenix is there and Ridley Scott's at the helm. Like, you have a lot of things going for it. But it was one of those things that's like, well, you could have said a lot of those things about Killers of the Flower Moon 
and it didn't have this good a start. So were you surprised by the box office before we get into the review of the of the whole thing? A little bit, um, but but not much. But considering what came out as well, again, we'll get into it. But you had the Disney movie. You had some Thanksgiving was already out. So it has some competition. So I, I thought I'd do a little bit more because, I mean, no offense to Killers of Flower Moon. It's a superior movie. But anyway, we'll get into it. <clears throat> sure. Yeah, it's it's definitely it's definitely different, uh, even yeah. though they are both Apple films. And that's why I thought like people would have more of an apprehension to go into Napoleon just being like, well, I can watch this almost three hour long epic on streaming sooner rather than later. So that was my thought where I didn't think it was going to do that big a box office. But I went on Wednesday morning in IMAX. So a more exclusive club, and it was still a lot of people. So I was like, you know, it's not sold out or anything because IMAX rarely is unless you're like Oppenheimer or the MCU or something. But like this did a lot of business, and I was very surprised, especially a lot internationally. So there is an intrigue about Napoleon Bonaparte in general. So that's interesting. Um, But of course, like I said, this is Joaquin Phoenix. This is Ridley Scott. This is Vanessa Kirby. uh, And... The battle epics, uh, not probably seen since, you know, Ridley Scott is no old hat at this. He did Gladiator. He did The Last Duel recently. So I was looking forward to, especially he's really good at uh, on-horse battling. So I'm like, this will probably be right up his alley. And I don't think I was disappointed at all. There were like certain especially good battle scenes, but I think that's probably some of the best stuff in here. What did you like about Napoleon uh, before we get too deep, I guess? Yeah, the runtime didn't bother me. I thought because the pacing was good. I don't think I looked at my watch one time for two hour and 40 minute movie. But yeah, I was in an epic uh, online shopping battle while I was doing it. So I, I, I realized that might color my impressions, but uh, it's all still positive. So but yeah, right. that was my only distraction I, for that whole period. But with uh, really Scott, I definitely think the highlights were the battle scenes. Everyone sure. that they had on there was superb. And we'll get into which scenes. But I yeah, I was blown away because, again, that's his like bread and butter. So we know. That's his go-to, so and it didn't let me down in that aspect. Character depth is where I had a little bit of issue with this movie. Because sure. I walked in here wanting to love this movie. And for the most part, I really did enjoy this movie a lot. But maybe because I didn't brush up on my history going into this thing, I had a little issue trying to follow the democracy France had set up at that time with the First Council, Fifth Council, and whatever, Loyalist Party, and this and that and the other. I wanted a little more depth of what made him tick as an individual. And I thought they scratched the surface with the whole mom issues. You know, he was yeah. socially awkward. And as someone who follows military epics and that kind of thing, I wanted a little bit more thought into like how he did his battle tactics, which they sure. kind of do, but they kind of gloss over it a lot because it's already set up and the battle's already starting. Yeah. They already put it in motion versus seeing the chess board beforehand. Yes. So yeah. I wanted just a little more of that because I got I remember leaving the theater. I'm like, man, I really enjoyed that. But I don't feel like I know <laughs> enough about Napoleon, the person, if that makes yeah. any kind of sense. Yeah, for sure. And honestly, so the the rumor out there is that, well, it's not really a rumor. I think it's confirmed and it's going to happen. Uh, there is a four hour take of this movie, Ooh. a four hour edit of this movie. <laughs> 
And I think as I was watching the movie that got in my head a little bit where I was like, I'm sure what I'm asking for is there, but they just didn't want to give him four hours to where, you know, maybe this, you know, I I hate to always say it, but maybe it works better as a a miniseries like a John Adams. I remember somebody mentioned that uh, that would have been a good idea, but. Onto itself, I still liked the movie, but I agree that like the like the poster, I believe, even had like the tagline came from nothing, wrote, you know, and I was just like, well, they didn't really mention much of that in the movie, and they don't really display it at all for sure. Even in flashback, I thought there was going to be more flashbacks to what he was like, and said this movie starts right as the revolution is going on, so. It's hard, it's hard to be like, oh, so nothing about his life mattered before then, <laughs> you know, so right. for a two, two hour and 38 minute movie and you really show from there through the rest of his life. It's pretty interesting. Yeah, uh, especially because it's not like they focused on one particular thing. I thought the movie just comes down to that. He was too much of uh, his hubris got in the way his his. His brilliance, his his ego, uh, thinking that he was going to be the next Alexander the Great or Julius Caesar, that it came at the expense of his life with Josephine. It came at the expense of uh, him being exiled twice from France, uh, which, by the way, made me laugh both times. This movie is unintentionally and I think possibly intentionally funny um, at times because Ridley Scott is kind of a dirt dog where he'll put some some humor in to places where you're like what kind of movie is this again like uh i remember uh the martian they like golden globes put that as a comedy which is very much golden globes being golden globes but like at the same time i was like yeah it is kind of funny like in spots there's like good portion of that even though it's dramatic and a guy trying to survive and then house of gucci that's got like straight up like cartoonish characters and uh, I'll, I'll shout out my buddy also Mike uh, who compared the sex scene in House of Gucci between Adam Driver and Lady Gaga to the the hilarious sex scenes in this movie between Joaquin Phoenix and Vanessa Kirby because it's just why are we watching him full frame just like <laughs> banging away like a you know. He's like a very workman-like performance right. uh, in the bedroom. That it's there's no romance. It's just going to town and a lot of uh, kind of just yeah, you know, <laughs> like that kind of sex talk you don't want to hear sometimes. And just he's kind of very I don't know. Yeah, he, he felt like a boy a lot of times whenever he was around Vanessa Kirby or how he treated her until he thought she was you know disposable or he can yeah. move her I mean, around like he's setting up a tactic yeah you yeah. had uh, that whole awkward scene with him crawling under the table when they're at dinner you know absolutely the that's the first thing i thought like of that. yep yeah mm-hmm. but like going back to what you said like they they do like they have one throwaway line where someone says how did someone from corsica get to where you got and that's all they mentioned about his upbringing in corsica right so i wanted yeah. that uh the Prussian princess that he ended up conceiving his kid with, like, I, what happened to her? Like, what happened to his? Yeah, they like, really throw that away. Yeah, yeah. they, oof, that was gone. You know, so that's what was missing from this movie. I thought, in my opinion. So honestly, I would watch a four-hour cut of this movie. I think so too. I'd take my time a little bit more, maybe break it up. I know that sounds obnoxious, but when it's four hours, it's four hours, man. But like, 
it's something to where I just want more information from a historical perspective. Because if you're trying, if you're coming to this movie, a movie called Napoleon, and you kind of don't fully embrace the man or really get the man after two hours and 40 minutes, that is a knock for sure, which is why I thought, you know, this movie is good, but not great. But it's good enough to be in my top 25 of the year. I'll sure. say that. And I would say, like I said, the the battle stuff. I, I, I felt bad again that like I felt like so many of the best stuff was in the trailer again. Especially uh, the tactic stuff where like that ice battle. Oh, that, that was they great. Do, That's my favorite. It's the best thing. Yeah. And it's like so much of the trailer that it's like, oh, I wish that didn't get spoiled. You couldn't tell me. That it's not enough of a sell to be like, here's Napoleon, here's Joaquin Phoenix playing Napoleon. It's Ridley Scott and get all these names and then just sell you on that. But, you know, I wished I wish they didn't do that. But as far as it's concerned, I, I the unintentional comedy, especially early, that line that I have read up front, the you know, you think you're so great because you have boats <laughs> just fucking drove me crazy. I was laughing so hard in the theater. Um and yeah, he's just he's just arrogant. Like uh, when he's about to be exiled and losing battles, and he's just like chilling, having breakfast, talking to kids, just being, yeah. oh, man, this is so good." You know, whatever. It's just like, what is wrong with you? Like, he's like, "Ah, I lost like forty five hundred men. No big deal. Thanks for the sausage. It's great." You know, it's like he's a weird dude. Yeah. Like, so if that's my takeaway, well, that's not gonna make me go, "Woo, best picture," but it's gonna. You know, I'll, I'll enjoy myself for right. sure. And, and maybe I, I forgot a lot in history. No, may, no, no, maybe, but I did forget a lot in history class. But I was shocked that they actually let him get exiled twice without killing twice. him. Right. Yeah. Like the first time's enough. And then you come back, take over your army again, march on to Paris. And it's like, ah, there he is. And he gets yeah. exiled again. I'm like, what happened to like taking his head and hanging him or whatever? I would have yeah. liked a little more explanation on their decision to exile him for the second time. Just a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And I also found it interesting the way uh, that last scene, like that's how you end a movie with Napoleon. It's right. like he died like my bird did when I was a teenager, where it was like he's just squawking and then just falls off his perch and just he's done. Yeah. That um, was, so yeah. I thought that was weird. That was weird. <laughs> it was a weird visual. <laughs> But um, there's that. And then, like, then they show the graphic that makes it sound like he didn't die like that. So I'm like, then why is that the final frame of your film? So there are some oddities about this movie and some things that don't work. But for the most part, I think they they work enough. And especially for, you know, I felt like I was filling out my over 40 white guy bingo card to go to this movie. You know, I have to go to a, a historical epic war epic general you know war general so uh but for all that said i I, this movie is uh at least a three and a half if not 3.75 for me because i enjoyed myself we are right there we are right there in lockstep if i had to use the andrew cheat code yeah Yeah. i gave it a 3.75 yeah you know upon a second watch could i get it up to a four probably yeah and like i said i'm interested in that four hour cut i don't know if i'd ever make time for it because that's a insane but you know obviously with how much i watched already why not i've wasted my time with some with worse um but that is definitely a win uh during this thanksgiving period 
Uh, and we'll see. I'm, I'm curious to see if it does have legs for more box office before it'll go to Apple. But let's go to uh, the first loss, Shane. I also did watch this early Thanksgiving uh, before it was mealtime. Had to fit in a movie, Shane, you know, because that's what we do. Uh, I went and took the kids to Wish. Um, this is, of course, Disney's latest animated project. Tons of people on this voice cast. Ariana DeBose, Chris Pine, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, it's produced by and made by the people who did Frozen. So a lot of uh, pedigree in terms of the animators itself and everything else. The animation, for the most part, was pretty darn good. And I would say, but the loss here is that the story is unmercifully thin and like to i think the the biggest thing for me and i'm sure you're with this with on some level with musicals and or animated musical like your disney musicals if you don't have a signature song or if you think you have a signature song and you play it twice because you think you nailed it like you had this emphasis point and i feel nothing and i don't want to hear it a second time you failed you failed big time so that happened with this film. I wasn't that into it. My kids were into it a little bit more. So I guess, hey, Disney, good for you. You got my seven and nine-year-old to engage. But it's not like afterwards they're like, hey, we need to buy the star. Oh, man, we were singing that song on the way out. No. So I think okay. they were I think they were being kind enough. Um, but we'll see if this is like, oh, when it's on Disney Plus, do they want to watch this again? Or is this going to be a repeat thing? I don't think so. Because uh, the film, you know, it's like I said, it's super simple, but to the point of like, what are we doing? And it drags. It's basically, you know, you've seen the trailer, obviously, but like yep. for anybody who hasn't seen it, it's the, you know, a, a magical land run by a magician sorcerer at the head where you give him. It's actually very bleak, Shane. <laughs> this is continuing the trend of like these Disney movies that are like existential crises for for older people writing them. Um, you give away your wish for your life at eighteen, and you give it to this guy to hold, and then he decides at random, like a lottery ticket, who gets to have their wish fulfilled. Oh, so he's like hoarding wishes. And then he does it at his whim of like what he thinks is best for this town that he's built up. And then like he gets caught out by the young girl as she tries out to be his apprentice. And then she thinks what he's doing is wrong and then slowly tries to help out, you know, these people of the town and herself and her family and everything else and ends up on a mission to try to like release these wishes back to these people or try to grant them and all that. And it's, like I said, very thin, very odd of how she's able to to do these things. It's all about like we're all made of stars kind of a thing to to wink and a nod to I think that's a song, not and obviously now a movie. So um it's fine. But it's mostly a loss, especially because after we just said for Napoleon made seventy eight point eight million globally, this only made forty nine. Mm. That's bad for a disney movie and this is at the uh, coming after you know little mermaid had a very slow start it made a bunch of money but it didn't make as much internationally as they they thought that was gonna be huge and it wasn't huge uh and then elemental started out very slowly it ended up gaining traction because there wasn't a lot of competition so we'll see if maybe that has the the same type of legs here we'll see but 
man, not a good start for Wish, and I don't think it has the story. But I also didn't think <coughs> Elemental had the story, so we'll see. Yeah, no, I'm kind of glad. Uh, not glad. I don't. I shouldn't say that. It's the wrong word to say. But my kids are kind of phased out of those kind of Disney movies. Like yeah. my son was never really into them to begin with, like certain movies. But like it's hard for him to get to sit down and watch one of these. Yeah, my daughter's 13 now, so like she. Yeah, she last... wants heads chopped off, Shane. I'm yeah. fine. Yeah, yeah. I just remember last time, and I'll make this brief. We went to go see Encanto, which I think was her like last major, major hit, right? A couple years ago. Yeah, and <laughs> she literally turns to me with like three quarters of the way into the movie. She goes, "Oh my god, not another fucking song." I'm like, <laughs> that's yeah. why you're my that's why you're my daughter right there. Can yeah. we stop with the song? So anyway, they've kind of yeah. like you said, my daughter's in the head getting lopped off phase of her movie career, and my son's not into it. So yeah, my seven year old is a boy and already asking for Five Nights at Freddy's. So I think I'm gonna have maybe a sm- even smaller window than maybe you had to wait. So we'll see. It'll be good. But another win, we'll talk about another movie we saw. Like I said, I did not see this on Thanksgiving, but I saw it uh, the next day, uh, Friday morning. Uh, this is Thanksgiving. This is the latest horror film from Eli Roth. So you saw this with your daughter then, speaking yeah. of which, or yeah, so sure you did, did the whole thing. Yeah. So take me through that experience and let me know your thoughts and her thoughts. I'm curious on Thanksgiving. I feel like she would like this. Like, that's she, in the wheelhouse. Yeah, she said this is the best movie that she's seen this year so far. But Actually, she also said that about Five Nights at Freddy's, uh, but I'll, see, I'll, we, I'll, I'll, I'll take it back. We talked about that tonight, right? And I said, uh-huh, so uh-huh. she gave it a certain rank. And I said, so did you like it more than Five Nights at Freddy's? She goes, Dad, this was a superior movie. Then I'm like, well, you need to take your Five Nights score down. She goes, you're <laughs> right. So she readjusted her score for this. She just like your dad. Yeah, she loved it. She absolutely loved it. She loved uh, the Patrick Dempsey character. She liked uh, the kills, especially the trampoline one, which said the only part that she had to turn her head was the trampoline one, which I did, too. Right. But to me, this is popcorny slasher film that I love. It's a straightforward, thin plot. It probably is thin as wish, if not thinner. And I have a love-hate relationship with Eli Roth because I don't like torture uh, horror, which is where Same. he made his bread and butter with um, Hostel and yeah. dislikes. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I thought he really did a good job with this. Like Again, it is what it is, but I did like that 90s feel for this movie. Like, sure. I know what you did kind of last summer vibe to it. My only issue, and I don't know if you want to go into it, is like, um, really, there wasn't enough kills for me. And she thought the same thing. And... Um, I think this is the only horror movie I've seen in a long time. Well, I don't want to spoil anything, so I won't say anything. But uh, sure, yeah, well, we could touch on it later. But it had to do with the cast, the casting, and the main cast. But um, no, I really enjoyed it. It was a short run, so hey, this movie has legs for me. Like I could watch this every Thanksgiving to sound, and you can't get more cliche than that. But I could watch this on a yearly rotation. Yeah, and I think they will try desperately to also make sequels in succession, too, whether we're going to see us next year or the year after. But it's interesting. I can can see the influences up and down in this movie on top of the fact that I think Roth kind of, in a way, wanted to make a more straight-up studio movie, in a sense. Like, it doesn't have a huge movie, but like, or excuse me, a huge budget in this movie. Especially when you consider the cast, there's not really there's a star and a star is you know a not 
not a huge mega star at the moment. So like, but he is a star. So I don't want to be rude to Patrick Dempsey. What I would say is you could see that he wanted to make as close to like a scream Mm -hmm. or had like a carpenter feel at times, but he also is influenced and you and I are not crazy different in terms of our, probably our horror viewing. I'm sure you grew up watching all the, there was like a, a, a surplus. It seemed when we were younger that there was like all the holiday ish movies, whether they were real holidays or not. Like, like there was an April fool's day horror movie. Yep. Yeah. You've had your Valentine's day ones. You've had, uh, you know, silent night, deadly nights. And now violent was it violent night last year. Right. So like you're starting to see more of the, you know, of, and your Krampus and your whatever like so we have stuff for a lot of holidays a lot of them came out especially when we were younger and he saw those and I think he was he was just sitting on it that's how the the trailer came about for this came from the uh you know the grindhouse double feature the Tarantino Robert Rodriguez double feature that they did and he had the trailer for Thanksgiving back and what was that oh. uh, 16 years ago yeah about so, easily yeah yeah, I think it was 07. So it took a long time for it to get moving, but I'm with you. I, I think this is, it's straight up. Sometimes it feels a little low budget, a little co- too corny at times. Um, but it's definitely the the kills for what when they were there are really good. I thought uh, as far as the teenage cast, I didn't think anyone popped. No. You know, so that's going to be tough, especially if we're going to go forward with more sets of interesting and considering they have really only one maybe i'll be kind and maybe say a second star in this movie you had to know that they had to be some kind of involvement so it gets a little obvious from the start Mm -hmm. um so those type of things were interesting but yeah man the the trampoline one the i thought they hit it great early when they had uh the waitress's face stuck to the freezer door and slowly tearing it off like i thought that was great yeah so uh, those were probably the highlights i'm trying to remember some of, uh, some of the other ones i mean obviously like uh the stuff at the end you know in terms of like the the, the group activity we'll call it that without spoiling anything right. so like there were some uh good kills there uh, and honestly there was one in particular uh, where they prepare Thanksgiving dinner, yes, uh, yes. so to speak, that really made me curl. Like I was just <laughs> like, "Wow, they're really making this linger." This is wow. Um, so that was good. But you could, clear, like I said, you could clearly see all the the homages, all the you know the influences. There's even a cat named Dewey here. Yep. So clearly, the scream thing is not completely taken away. But yeah, I thought this was like right down the middle. It's a three. It's a three point two five. If I'm cheating, and yeah, it's a, it's a continuation that I would be into because I think it it struck the right amount of humor and a right amount of levity. That was just like this is great on a holiday week. <coughs> no, exactly. I think uh, you highlighted everything. I gave it a three point five. My daughter gave it a four, which she bumped her financial Freddy score down to two point five now. So she ooh, two point five. That's a far fall. That's a far fall. But like I said, I think the negative is we don't have that teenage star who popped and like, man, I want to see that person in more stuff, you know, because like with Happy Death Day, it's like I wanted her to be in more movies. And you had Jenna Ortega from the Scream series like, OK, now they pop on screen. No one popped yeah. here on screen, you know, you know, yeah. and it was nice to see Jenna Gershwin in a scene here. I haven't seen her in a while. True. Yeah. 
So she used to be yeah. a star. <laughs> I think I still 90s. see Bound when, when when my eyes are closed. So yes, yes, she was a star at one point. Early nineties, yeah, sure. yeah, we gave her due. Yeah, but, you know, it was I yeah, like Patrick Jennifer Dempsey. Tilly won that battle. Yes, she I guess, did. Of yes, the two she, of them. Yes, yeah. she did. But you know, Patrick Dempsey's always enjoyable. You know, so it had like I said, it had a lot of good things going for. So it was a good time in the theater. So. And you're in for the sequels? Oh, of course I assume I that am. are going to yeah, happen. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. When do you think uh, people are going to start lowering up on those John Carver masks? That's oh, gonna yeah. Be- that's going to be that's gonna be a Halloween <clears throat> thing next year, I'm sure. Especially because yeah. it's going to lead into either Thanks. the potential for the sequel or it'll lead into the holiday itself. Exactly. So sure. Right. Yeah. yeah. So wait for those bad boys. Yeah. So this movie made $29 million. I I wonder if people are go- it's going to lose a lot of steam because we are post-Thanksgiving. And we will be getting into the the Christmas cycle of whether it, it'll still be watched. I think it could go another week, maybe two, at, with some decent business. But you know, because word of mouth on this is pretty solid. Yeah, I mean, I think Rotten Tomato had an eighty two critic with a seventy nine audience score, so they were kind of eye to eye on this movie. I wasn't sure. just slightly disappointed in the box office so far, but I guess it does have a lot of competition with Napoleon and, and Hunger Games. So much compared to other horror yeah. movies that came out this year. I thought it was, you know, between the Nun 2s and all that stuff, it was better than most of the horror movies I've seen this year. So I was kind of surprised it didn't tick uptick just a little bit more. Yeah, I, I'd have to compare the boxes. I think probably as far as those, I mean, your Screams and your Megans probably still made I more. Think they did. I'm curious to see. I think even Talk to Me might after, you know, I think because that had like a platform thing. So I wouldn't compare like opening weekends. But I still think that did better, especially compared to its budget. So I'd be interested to see what the those numbers will look side by side at the end of the day. Right. Uh, because, again, I could probably see Talk to Me getting a sequel, too. Yeah. So we'll see. But speaking of box office, let's just, uh, you know, show who's not winning uh, in the loser <laughs> section here. Uh, Marvel's. The Marvel's uh, <laughs> box office. You uh, bastard. <laughs> It didn't make the top five in the Thanksgiving week, Shane. That's bad. This is brutal. 6.4 in the long Thanksgiving weekend is not going to cut it. And it's only made $188 million globally, Ugh. which if I'm not mistaken, I'd have to look it up. But I'm pretty sure that it's almost being toppled by the Hunger Games prequel already. And that came out after uh, and obviously isn't part of the MCU. So you got to be kind of like between the box office of this, you know, a lot of uh, the Disney stuff isn't working. Disney's got to be really concerned with how their year is going. The Disney plus uh, subscriber base dwindling, you know, quarterly is not looking great. So a lot to be concerned there. And yes, I know this is slightly trolling to put it on there, but it's a big story. <laughs> it so, is a story. Our, um, so are are you shocked by how this is going? Because you were a little more kind to the movie. I was. Um, I am kind of. I am a little shocked and disappointed on the, how much and how fast it just came and went from the top five. Sure. You know, I, I don't remember the last Marvel movie. I think is just getting piled on to an extent. So sure. Yeah, I am just shocked, man. Like you said, like if you're looking at Disney for the year, like oh my god, like they just they're in trouble. Yeah, Guardians 3, the only bright spot as far as, you know, box office returns right. and, and especially like critically probably did a lot better. But yeah, 
it's a tough, tough beat out there on the street for Disney right now. Another win, though, I want to kind of maybe touch upon the Oscar race because I've been kind of catching up with a lot of those as well. Uh, I saw the holdovers, uh, which we teased and talked about for for weeks, it feels like, because yeah. uh, it w- it's been a platform release. Again, the same. I think it went wide just on the 22nd. So this uh, past week, like a lot of these other films, a lot of competition. So, so far, it's only made basically about 13 million. So that's not going to obviously cut it to, to keep it out there that long, but uh, it's the latest film from Alexander Payne, who I, I really like, and I've liked a long time. Uh, You're, you know, between election sideways, Nebraska about Schmidt. Uh, I haven't seen downsizing. I don't know if you have, uh, whether you were into that one. Yeah. I think that's the one that kind of like people kind of shrug at a little bit. But this is a kind of a comeback of sorts off of downsizing for him, and it's been a while since he's made a film. And this one, it kind of, you know, even by the trailer, like it kind of wanted to have uh, the type of feel, like the 70s feel, like where it takes place. And it's another film that ends up in that uh, prep school, you know, kind of draw like light drama of sorts, coming of age stuff, as well as, you know, it's kind of a, a connection to the older time and, and multi-generational thing. Was there something uh, about this film, Shane, before I kind of like do my mini review here, is there something that like when you watch the trailer, you're like, this reminds me of something or do you have like, cause again, we're around a similar age that like those prep school movies, there was like a lot of really good ones around the same time in the, in the eighties and nineties that I, I know I liked a lot. Right. No, I just like you said, I like the director. I love Paul Giamatti, so I normally tend to watch whatever he's in. And this just seemed to me like just one of those nice, quirky, like you said, stylistic. Looks like it's shot, you know, 1970s. And it could be a movie that I could really attach myself to because, yes, usually, you know, guns blowing them up, whatever. That's usually my my bad. (laughs) That is the Shane mold, yes. But I can't slip out of my normal gear. And this would be a movie I normally slip into is something like this because I love Sideways. Um, about Schmidt, like you said, I like his catalog, and this is, seemed like something I gravitated to. Because again, I like the coming of age stories. I'm a sucker for those things, man. So and, am I. And especially if you put it around the holidays and you add Paul Giamatti to the mix, I'm like, all right, I'm ready to go. Let's do this. So I'm really yeah. looking forward to when I get my hands on this movie. Yeah, it's weird. I think uh, in some ways, you know, you always think your phone is listening to you or the television it's something you know like everybody's listening in i think there's a weird version of that because after i saw the holdovers hbo has been playing goodwill hunting nonstop, and i think <laughs> like that kind of comparison in some uh way with this film but of course they're they're kind of trying to you know show like the how ashby john cassavetes 70s type films like I know people have mentioned like a Harold and Maude type of thing. That's obviously a very extreme version. It's not obviously that kind of dark comedy in a way. Um, This movie, it's just, you know, it's the crowd pleaser, the season needed. And, you know, like I said, it's the, it's that time period that evokes a certain type of movie. I love these type of, you know, prep school coming of age. Like if you give me, like, there's obviously different time period ones, but, like, your Dead Poet Society, With Honor, School Ties, Son of a Woman, Finding Forrester, Goodwill Hunting, like, those type of movies just live with me. They just mm-hmm. live inside me. There's always usually those, like, 
big scenes or big characters that just linger and like tug at the heartstrings. And there's usually some heavy, heavy emotions, but also with some levity and some fun and some some things. And and this movie does have all that. Um, it's it's one of my favorite films of the year. It's probably a top ten of the year film for me. But it's weird that I'm not speaking it in over glowing terms. I thought this was gonna be like a sneaky number one for me. Oh, and that's okay. why I think I was just like, because again, I'm such a sucker for these type of movies. So I want to see it again to really kind of like deepen because I think it wasn't the exact tone I thought it was, or I think it was just a little, little too safe uh, for for what it is. Like it doesn't really just latch on and like really tug it, which is crazy because like Divine Joy Randolph's character is this woman who works at the school. She's like kind of the head of the kitchen staff, uh, the cook in there. And she's held over just like uh, these other kids. And Paul Giamatti, the professor character, um, are all held together over the Christmas break because they couldn't go home to their families or they don't have a family to go home to or any of those type of things. And her son went to the school and recently died in Vietnam. So like that's kind of like a very heavy storyline to go with and there's other things that you know uh the the main uh student here his story has a little bit of a extra mental health stuff and some family drama as well so there is a lot of that and of course i, I you know i really liked ha- the hang between the two of them and and the evolution of their relationship and where it goes and it kind of seems slightly obvious but man it doesn't matter especially because to me I don't know about you, Shane, in a movie that has enough drama and enough kind of, you know, lessons learned and crowd pleasing abilities. If you put a well-placed Cat Stevens song, I'm going to turn to a fucking baby. <laughs> I'm going to turn to a goddamn puddle. So this movie is that. Okay. So good. to me, this is this is a four star film, you know, or three point seven five four, like around that area. It's like I said, it's a top 10 film for me. And it's another one that I, I can't wait for it to hit streaming because I would like to watch this again. And it's one of those movies that I think will do well around Oscar time because it is a repeatable movie. It's not a movie you have to sell to someone. It's something that a lot of people can enjoy. And it's also a holiday movie. So I could see a lot of people watching this as it gets closer to Christmas and possibly would be an annual watch oh, okay. if you're into that kind of thing. And I think it deserves it. So. Okay. That's a movie you're going to hear a lot about for the next uh, couple months as we get into award season. Uh, I, I'll i be interested to see. Uh, they think Divine Joy Randolph has the best chance of being nominated only because the other fil- uh, fields are very crowded. But I wouldn't be shocked if we heard Giamatti uh, or the uh, the young uh, student that's at the helm here uh, at, the, at the lead, essentially, sort of here, um, though he'd probably get put in best supporting so that i think would be an interesting interesting twist and yeah it's a great screenplay it'll probably be up for best picture so we'll hear a lot more kind of doing a little speed round because we're getting a little uh late in the game here in the episode uh another loss uh i saw next goal wins i'm not going to belabor this this is taika watiti uh a movie that has michael fassbender that we thought like oh man what a what a double feature what a you know slam dunk back to back you got two great directors that he's working he hasn't worked in a long time and yet you got the killer and you got next goal wins this is gonna be an awesome season for michael fassbender no (laughs) he's not 
he's not bad. His character just doesn't have any depth or they try things. It doesn't make sense. This team, especially because you know how soccer goes. Like if you, you have your Ted Lasso's and they really do a good job of like individualizing people, really giving character character depth and really when they have to stir up these moments, they really individualize these people and then it works in harmony as you get into the games and all these other things. I couldn't tell you more than like one, maybe two characters in uh, on the team and there's a whole movie full of like they do a lot of individual things. I have nothing. Mm-hmm. I have nothing to add. And this story, I don't think outside of like the quote underdog factor is worth a lot to tell. Wow. So... Okay. It's it's literally like you wouldn't learn a whole lot more than you watching the trailer. So or going to Wikipedia. and that yeah, exactly. So um I wonder if maybe they could have squeezed more juice if this isn't Taika Watiti, you know, done by a guy who, you know, is a very busy man who is better suited at maybe different stuff and definitely hasn't done a sports movie to my knowledge, but yeah, this um this didn't work for me at all. This is uh-huh. At best, a two and a half. Um, it just, it, I, I was messaging you while I was in the theater, going, you "Sure, were." I'm like halfway through, and if I was home, I would just turn it off. But I was like, I'm sticking with it because I'm in the theater and I paid money. But uh, yeah, nobody was there. It only made five point seven million. It'll probably have maybe a small life on uh, you know, because this I think is also a Fox film, so it'll probably end up on Hulu very soon. People will watch it, but they'll instantly forget it because it's not worth it. So, sorry, Taika. I'm a fan, but not a fan of this one. So, that's a that's a skip. That's a, a loser for the week for me. Let's get into uh, a quick little uh, streaming TV stuff, Shame. We'll, we'll give uh, our wins on those ones. We, are, we both watched A Murder at the End of the World, and you also watched Monarch. Uh, the latest Godzilla project on Apple TV Plus. Why don't you start with that and uh, give your superlatives on that one? Yeah, that was the biggest win for me. That made my pants explode. Like I love Monarch, dude. Like I'm sorry. <laughs> like anything set in the Godzilla universe. Like I am a unabashed fan because I grew up on those 1950s and 60s Godzilla films. Love it all. So this show picks up after like what do they call it? G Day Godzilla when he shows up in San Francisco. So that's kind of where the movie or the show starts right but i i, I am right. digging uh the story so far going back and forth between the 1950s when monarch started and currently their current situation right now trying to find the 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 professor or, or i don't know what you call him who disappeared right yeah i, I loved kurt i love kurt russell and was it wyatt russell is that his name wyatt russell yep, yeah his son yeah i like both those i i'm just liking the richness and, and extra layers of story they're adding to this universe. And I will say like, yeah, some of the CGI stuff is janky because I mean, you're dealing with, you know, CGI monsters on a grand scale, you know what I mean? So sure. being TV produced, like I laughed when they showed John Goodman running through the forest in the first scene of the show. I'm like, that looks, <laughs> that looks way out of place. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. But for a TV show, it works for me. And I'm, I like seeing right. the other Titans where they're at. So man, just, this is, this is meat and potatoes for me. I could eat this all day long. Like I'm already looking forward yeah. to Godzilla and Kong next year. And I'm, I'm just sure. curious to see how they're going to end this show. Cause we're what three episodes in right now. I think they're like, hour I'm not long. sure. I'm right. I'm, yeah. I'm not on there. Yet. Yeah. <clears throat> so I just wonder if they're going to dovetail this into 
the movie that's coming out next year or how it's going to end. But I'm along for the ride, man. Especially when Kurt Russell shows up. I'm like, all right, I'm in. Some of the human characters, yeah. which is an issue with all their movies, they don't give it a lot of depth to or you just don't care about. And I'm sure. st- that's where I'm struggling right now is like the, the brother-sister dynamic that's going on in this. I'm like, do I really care about either one of those right now? So other than that, right. though, give me Titans. Give me Godzilla. Kurt Russell, White Russell. I'm in. Yeah, that was the knock I've heard on some other podcasts or reviews that I've seen where they said the multiple uh, timeline stuff does get a little muddy at times or a little bit of like, do we care enough or is there too much of it um, between the back and forth? So I'm glad that you're enjoying it because if you're past that, then yeah, that's got to be a home run for you then because that's really the only criticism I've kind of seen against that. So that's awesome, man. I'll, I'll probably end up catching up with that. Um, how many episodes they go in with that? I think you there's know? eight. I think there's eight, eight. So they're already through three. All right. So by the time we get to like Christmas break time, I'll probably be able to like binge it and kind of yes. get through it. So that's that's probably a, a good one to do for that. So that's great, man. And and Murder at the End of the World on Hulu. We're both watching this, but you are an episode behind. I'm Correct. through the third it's a very intriguing story. It's it's again with the talking about timeline shifting and going back and forth. I'm interested uh, to know where they're going exactly with those flashbacks because you know uh, basically the, the way this is, it's kind of like this huge uh, you know tech mogul assembles these like kind of world beater kind of like people from all walks of life you know uh, to come to his house to kind of come for a summit essentially of, you know, trying to bat around ideas, get all these brilliant people in a room to try to solve issues, to see what he's working on, to, to add more to it. And then of course uh, there is a murder or, or at least a death that is suspected potentially a murder that they have uh, to, uh, to investigate, or at least they're trying to stop the investigation while someone is investigating it. And the, the, the relationship between the deceased and the 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 best friend, old, former lover uh, scenario here, who she's a a writer and a kind of like a uh, I don't I don't know what you would say if she's like an amateur sleuth. They kind of like call her like a modern Sherlock Holmes, essentially, yeah. or Gen Z Sherlock Holmes, or whatever they said. This is uh uh what's her name Anacorn? What's yeah. a, what's a what? Is that it? Who's from yeah. The Crown? The Crown. Um, she, yeah. So she plays Princess Diana in The Crown. If you never see her, uh, in there, and she's pretty good in here. I, it's interesting. It's always, uh, you know, the accent work that what people, you know, these standard American accents that <laughs> you know have have no flavor to them because they're not from here. But it works. And Clive Owen's really good. The atmosphere is really good. I like the even like the freaky mask stuff that came out in the beginning. There's a lot of really good tension in the show. I'm really in. What do you think about it so far? Yeah, no, I'm in. Um, I love Clive Owen. So usually I'm again, I'm drawn to actors and I haven't seen him in a, a vehicle in quite some time. I didn't. Yeah, recognize, I can't remember the last. Yeah, one. I said I didn't recognize the lead actors because I never watched The Crown, but she's really good on screen. Me neither. And I, maybe oh, it's cause, Emma Corrin, by the way. I sorry. Yep. Maybe because it's set in uh, the, the, the meeting is in Iceland, but it definitely, and the lead character, she kind of gave me Girl to Dragon Tattoo vibes. 
uh, as yeah, I'm there's a little the bit show. of that because it's the hacking stuff. Yeah, and, you know, yeah. you're in the ice. You know, of where are they? Greenland, Iceland, Iceland. Okay. Yep. So right now, like, is it, I like this. I like the writing of the show. I like the different characters right now. I'm liking how they're developing the story as we go along. So atmospherically, like you said, it's a home run for me. Um, so yeah, I'm in, man. Yeah. So I'm keeping up with those. I also watched the first episode of Fargo. I enjoyed that because I, like I've, I've told you before on this podcast, a dear face, I've not watched one episode of Fargo. Ugh. So it's weird for me to start. I think this is what, season, season five. five. <laughs> so I was really into the fact that it's Juno Temple and uh, John Hamm that I was just like, this seems cool. And it's uh, from what I understand, it's a little more closer to the the Coen Brother-esque roots this time, says uh, some of the 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 marketing that's out there and everything else. And I agree, at least so far, it's kind of fun. Um, and right. At the, you know, temples, this kind of, as you've seen probably with some of the marketing that, you know, she's not who she says she is. She's like this kind of like suburban housewife who has a, a past life that's catching up with her and we'll see where it goes from there. But the first episode is already explosive with a lot of, uh, you know, that Coen Brothers kind of extreme action, like blood and go, go, like nothing held back in terms of, uh, you know, the the crime violence stuff. So, but with a, you know, kind of a, like I said, a levity and a humor and all that, that kind of runs through that old movie, plus now assuming with this season. So um, I'm interested in how that goes going forward. So it'll be nice to have a few shows now all locking in before, I think True Detective is going to be in the beginning of the new year. Um, so that's right up my alley with those. Is there any other shows that you're kind of like peeking in on or anything that uh, you haven't gotten to that you want to? Nope. Uh, I'll start Fargo. But the only show I think now between Christmas that I'm looking forward to is Reacher Season 2. That gets dropped oh, mid-December. Yeah, it's the yeah, yeah, which we touched upon, I think, last week with that. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's like December 17th or 16th or whatever. Yep. Somewhere in that range. So, yeah, definitely looking forward that, to that, too. Um, as far as streaming movies, though, we've caught a few. Um, I can definitely say um, I will go to the loss first because we were just doing the win. So I will say um, if you're in the Christmas spirit and want to check out uh, some of these streaming Christmas movies, don't start with Best Christmas Ever. It is uh, <laughs> trash. Complete trash, unwatchable trash. Um, it has, I don't even know, story is a word. There's just, uh, it's so thin. It's so stupid. Um, but because it had Jason Biggs, Heather Graham, Brandy, like there's some big name people. I was like, yeah, this is, this is great. And usually Netflix is pretty good at least. Like even their worst Christmas ones aren't like, annoyingly bad they might run into like hey we're a tv movie bad but they're not like bad bad this is bad bad this oh. is not worth a minute bad so wow. uh don't 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 see the big names and get lost in that one so you can skip that one um but there are a bunch of really good non-christmas streaming options out right now um i just watched i believe was it yesterday or the day before? Uh, the Kane Mutiny Court Martial on Paramount Plus. This is um, exactly what it sounds like. It's a it's a 
court martial trial. It's literally just all trial. So you're not going to get flash. You're not going to get any kind of like, you know, big military stuff, even though this is a Navy uh, mutiny court martial trial. You're not getting any flashbacks to anything. You're not getting any picture. It's all trial. So if you're not into trial stuff, don't bother. <laughs> but this one, it's interesting. It starts out very much where you're like, wow, this is slow. You know, like they're really methodical. They're going to go over every little detail. This is William Friedkin, by the way. It's his last film before he passed away, him of The Exorcist, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, a legendary director. I was engrossed with this. The more like the layers kind of like, you know, unraveled them themselves and, and showed basically they were just they're trying to prove that uh, a mutiny was justified on the the admiral or captain of this particular vessel, this minesweeper kind of vessel um, where they got caught in a tornado storm and the, you know, his next executive officer removed him from uh, leading the ship and they go into all the different details of how this came about. Kiefer Sutherland is the person who was removed. So if you're into Kiefer Sutherland, he's probably the biggest name. Also, uh, your boy from the John Wick series, who was the front desk man at the Continental. Uh, what is it? Reddick, uh, Lance. Uh, Lance Reddick, right? Lance Reddick, right? I'm getting that right. Okay. Uh, he is the leader of the proceedings of this he's like kind of the judge or the lead on the uh the jury of peers that is there for the court martial so there are some names and it's like i said it's not flashy but if you're really into like law and you're also into like dissecting people and what becomes relevant when you're basically starting a mutiny you'll be into it and it's not long it's like an hour and 40 minutes and it's really solid and it's probably a top 25 film of the year for me which by the way my top 25 is getting hairy like it is so hard to rip some of these off like i knocked off things i truly like out of the top 25 recently i finally knocked off barbie sorry everybody uh i knocked off megan i knocked off a bunch of of stuff i know i know there's a bunch of good i like these movies and yet they're not filling out the space so um that's how much i think of this movie so that's that's a high recommendation for me. Um, I also will just say in general, Netflix. Uh, check out my reviews on what's on Netflix.com because I have a bunch of uh, positive reviews in the last few weeks. Uh, in the last two weeks, I had Rustin starring Coleman Domingo uh, about the uh, civil rights leader who is uh, who, along with Martin Luther King, you know, d- uh, did the march on Washington and organized that while essentially he was being railroaded by his own people. Um, the NAACP, amongst others, who didn't want him to do this, didn't want him to work with Martin Luther King because he's not only, you know, can be abrasive and outspoken, but he's also a homosexual on top of it. So he had a lot that he had to fight to get to do what's right and do it the right way. And obviously we know how the history turned out on that and how successful that was. So it's it's interesting. It's like a biopic, but it's more of like, an event coming together and uh, the trials and tribulations of that, but centered around him and he is really great in it. So uh, that movie's uh, an excellent pick. If you're into those type of things, Um, Leo, (laughs) the animated film done by happy Madison and starring Adam Sandler, Bill Burr and a bunch of other uh, of, 
of Sandler's boys, as we know, though, like your Rob Schneiders, your uh, Nick Schwartzton, Kevin James, you know, all those people are all involved. Um, I think the shocking part about Leo was not only that it was good, but it also is like heartwarming and has like a real message. I thought it was going to be a lot of kind of like how Sandler's comedies have been going, where it's like just a lot of vibes and immature humor and whatever which you know sometimes you're in the mood for you like whatever this one actually tried uh with a lot of things and i the only thing is i'd go it's tough to to pinpoint what the age group is for this because it's centered around a i believe a fifth grade classroom where they're the uh pets in the in the fifth grade classroom and and he ends up helping these kids with their problems and it's like wow uh, that it goes in depth with like kids problems at that age and the anxiety and all these fears like, you know, it's like, am I watching Inside Out or am I watching an Adam Sandler movie? <laughs> it's kind of interesting that it's kind of both. So it's a it's a it's a solid pick. I mean, both those movies are not top 25 of the year, but they're still quite good, you know, in that kind of three point two five to three and a half range for both of yeah. those. And then I'll be covering May, December this week, which is uh, Todd Haynes' new movie uh, with Julianne Moore and Natalie Portman. And that movie, have you you've seen the trailer yeah. for that as well? You know, the story, it's kind of like the Mary Kay Letourneau story about like a woman who uh, was arrested and uh, had an affair with a seventh grader, I believe. And then they eventually have a life. They're married. They have kids. They live in suburbia you know in savannah georgia i believe and you know it's about natalie portman is going to play her in a movie and she's shadowing her and getting into the life and it's one of those they literally call it in the in the uh one of the reviews that they put in the marketing they call it a booby trap of a movie <laughs> where it's like how am i th like acting any positivity towards a woman who essentially is a you know child rapist or like <laughs> however you want to like put it you know child molester um so that's an it's an interesting way of approaching it but i will tell you this is also one of my favorite movies of the year oh it's okay. an impressive movie so it's one of those like you're not gonna run out to tell it's hard to run out and be like go see this movie about you know this woman who seduced a seventh grader and uh, got married and started a life and they're gonna make a movie about her it's like all right, dude, uh, not here. Can we can we talk about this somewhere in private, maybe? I don't know what to talk you know, But it is one of those movies, once you're in it, it's very hypnotic. It's very well done. And my review for that in full will come out on Friday. So Netflix, we're getting down to the end of Nitty Gritty. Uh, Maestro is going to come out, uh, the new Bradley Cooper movie. You got Rebel Moon, the new Zack Snyder. You got a bunch of other films towards the end of the year that look very interesting, the new Sam Esmail. So... Keep an eye on Netflix because they're just going to keep pounding you every single week until we get into the new year. So, um, And then you also watch Kandahar, uh, which is, again, more up your alley, a film that was in theaters that is now on Hulu, uh, starring <laughs> one of one of your guys, our, our guy from Plane, which I can't believe is still from this year, by the way, uh, Gerard Butler. So it does seem like Plane came out five years ago. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Know? But you said that this film uh, felt a little redundant, maybe with like because we love the Covenant so much, and you said it had like some echoes of that, right? Yeah, yeah. It was it's one of those movies that just kind of fell into a trap of like it's has a lot of similar tones of a better movie that came out that same year, 
I think right. I mentioned like Volcano and Dante's Peak, you know, coming yeah. out the same year. And, you know, you're going to yeah, watch Deep Volcano. Impact, Armageddon. Yeah, 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 yeah. And this kind of felt this way. I mean, you know, Gerard Butler, if you're a fan of Gerard Butler, I mean, it's a it's a fine meh movie. It's an average movie, man. But if you're looking sure. for a better movie, just go watch The Covenant. Right. Is all I'll say. But it's like you mentioned, and I categorize this as a harmless it's a harmless movie that is on Hulu yeah. right now. So okay. no need to like really go into depth about it. You know, he's a CIA operative, just, you know, and his translator uh, flee from special force in Afghanistan after exposing a covert mission. So, I mean. Oh, that sounds exactly like the covenant. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like it's, yeah. too, it's too similar with the whole, and it came out, I think like two yeah. months after. The yeah. Covenant. Did. Yeah. And, yeah. like, why would you do this to poor Gerard Butler? Because, no offense, he's not Jake Gyllenhaal, and this isn't Guy Ritchie. So, <laughs> sure. And, like I said, go watch The Covenant. That's on uh, Amazon Prime as we speak. But, again, this is harmless. But uh, compared to two, it's not even close. Yeah. So where would you put the the grade on that? So it's right down oh, the middle kind 2. of. 2.5. Like yeah, it's a 2.5. Yeah. 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 So – so yeah, so a lot of options out there, everyone, whether you're going to the movie theaters this weekend or whether you're going to uh, sit at home and try to look for some options. If you have any Christmas options that aren't uh, best Christmas ever, please let me know um, because you know once we're getting into, uh, it'll be December starting this weekend. So we're going to yep. be looking for those type of options. Shane, do you, do you know of any? Is there any like, well, oh, this streaming Christmas option that looks good? Well, I guess it's in the Christmas spirit, but Silent Night with Joel Kinnaman, the new John Woo film. Yeah, that's this week, right? <clears throat> comes out this week. And piggybacking off of Monarch, it's not Christmas, but they are releasing limitly, uh, just a limit release here in Greensboro and probably up in Connecticut. Godzilla Minus One is yeah, only saw, playing yeah. for like two weeks and is getting tremendous reviews and praise from yeah. everywhere so those are the two on my radar but silent night has that obviously christmas vibe to it so if you're looking for a <laughs> a violent christmas movie and if you like john woo this looks up you know this is up my alley yeah i the trailer looked interesting so we'll see i mean violent night i thought was a little bit disappointing last year but this one looks like they just kind of i don't want to say shoehorn the uh christmas part it's in here but in it there. kind of feels that yeah it looks a little like that so yeah. we'll see we'll see how much uh actually matters with that but yeah it's an interesting like i told you uh an interesting couple of weeks here that i i you know there's like i said some streaming options like you're gonna have uh may december come out on netflix on friday um so and then some of the ones we went over and then maybe some will be coming to streaming sooner rather than later. And of course, like I said, if, the, if you want to see something that evokes Christmas is a solid movie, go see the holdovers in theaters while it lasted. Shane tried and it got ripped from him. So he couldn't even go see it because <laughs> they didn't, it didn't last that long down in Hollywood South there. So see it while you can, if it is around here, um, we, we try, we both tried, I think to see salt burn and we're unsuccessful yeah. <laughs> in terms of the schedule. So maybe we'll, uh, check that out this week and maybe cover that for next week, uh, amongst the other options you were kind of laying out there. Uh, and then we'll, we'll keep checking in on Monarch, a uh, murder at the end of the world and whatever streaming TV and movie options that are going to come out soon enough. 
Great job by you, Shane. A lot of winners and losers, a lot of things we covered. So I hope you guys love this hour-long power-packed <laughs> episode that we had. And yeah, do do all the right things. Like I say, you know, give us the five-star review, tell a friend, subscribe, uh, do all the nice things for us. Especially, it's it's the giving season, right? This That's is what right, people are supposed to do, right? Yeah, I believe Shane said he had a couple of new subscribers, so hello yeah. to you guys out there. Uh, I appreciate everybody going back. I've seen some people going back and listening to some old episodes as well as catching up with us. So thank you for doing that. Hope everybody had a good Thanksgiving and is looking forward to the rest of the holiday season. And we'll see you next week for more recent activity.